Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whatever type of day you're having, I hope you're having a blessed one. And I want to welcome you to A Walk With Jesus. On today's episode of A Walk With Jesus, this is part two of Noah's journey. We're going to discuss about how Noah and his family were able to overcome the flood that they were presented with. And we're also going to dig deep into what happened after the flood was done. Uh, we, I'd like to welcome back my co-host, Chris. And I want to say uh, thank you again for joining us today. Hey, everyone. I'm back. So I'm going to go ahead and give a quick quick update of what's going on with the flood situation. Uh, So Noah and his family are already on the boat. They've been on the boat approximately. We're going to backtrack a little bit and say they've been on the boat for, you know, just getting ready to get on there. Flood's about to start. And that there are animals getting ready to get on the boat. So that would be, uh, if you guys want to catch up, it'll be at chapter 7, verse 13. Before we get into this, we're going to say a quick prayer. And then we're going to keep trucking along with this. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all those that are listening to this podcast. We ask that this message be able to touch their heart. And that they're able to understand the message that you have to deliver to them. We ask you for them to be able to grow in your scripture as well as be able to grow in your word. We thank you, Almighty Lord, for each day you bless us with. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So, chapter 7, verse 13. On the very same day, Noah and Noah's son, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them entered the ark. They and every beast after its kind, all cattle, after its own kind, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth after after its kind, and every bird after its kind, every bird of every sort. Is that the fact that God called out Noah? Yeah. And, you know, organized the, the boat ride with the animals. It tells me something about God, and this might be controversial. I want to hear your opinion on it. It tells me that there was something about the creation that took effort on God's part. And what I mean by that is that, you know, the men have become so inherently wicked that God designed to f- kill everyone off, right? Beast yeah. too, right? So he said all animal in man will suffer the fate of being destroyed. And so that tells me, you know, God could, if the creation event was as simple as we often make it to be, then in my mind, God could have just did a second creation. You see what I'm saying? Instead, but rather he chose to preserve a remnant from that original creation and start over. So to me, that that tells me a little bit about the creation. I'm interested in what you think about that. My thoughts real quick on that is I think that God probably didn't like, you know, if God had started over, right? Do you think Mm -hmm. he would tell us in the Bible? That's my question back to you. Second of all, you know, it shows us that God, had a purpose for everything. So obviously he didn't want to destroy it or smote it out. But then once he saw that the creation served, didn't flow well, like we talked about with the dinosaurs and angels and uh, aliens podcast, that we could see how God, you know, wound up smoting them out. There were no more because they didn't fit into the grand scheme where humanity would go to. So I think that it was a complex you know, making a creature or creation that looks exactly like you, that's like saying that you it's easy mm, for a person to kill their own child, per se, I suppose. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I wasn't suggesting that God should have killed Noah, but what I'm trying to bring to light is the fact that although we've already moved past the creation event, just to draw the attention back to that event for a minute, because, you know, the way some people interpret it is that day one, let there be. Day two, let there be. And through this sequence of, like, commands that God just magically brought the world into existence. And I'm not sure that I believe that because there's something precious and there's something planned about the creation event that caused God to want to preserve one man. Right. Yeah. Because if God was just some, you know, bully, other holy creator, who's set on having a holy world, he could have started over. But the fact that he didn't should call us call attention back to the fact that we are his children. You know, he views us as children and he, mm. he's not just going to start over. Um, I don't know. I think the language there and the, flood story is pretty it's pretty cool how it parallels the creation because you know it's one man one woman onto the new world right and then they have the animals i don't know it's just it's just cool language i think it's there's some something there between i think it's like i think he opens the door for us to interpret it in the manner of here's this old lifestyle that's going on with noah right like the way they live and like you and I pointed out, like after Noah, probably lifespan started dramatically decreasing. You know, the human existence, they were, it was probably rarer and rarer for people to be around with their great, great grandfather or their great, great, great grandfather, you know. So um, I feel that it would be a turning point in the life of humanity. It would show the significance behind uh, why that flood happened. But, you know, you're right. I do think that, you know, it show, God put a lot of effort into man because look at how he created the world. Look at how he created the world and how he made sure everything was perfect and even gave man free will to worship him. If he wanted just a mindless puppet, then I don't believe that God would have given us free will in the first place to freely worship him. Right. So we're, while we're on the topic of like controversies and stuff, this is one of the big ones I always hear. I'm interested to see how you respond to it. You know, the, the genocide of the flood, right? That's what unbelievers and some believers, progressive believers have started to preach that the kind of God who would destroy the whole world is not really the God of Jesus and is really um, the whole story is a parable, if you will, to tell the story of, you know, the wickedness of sin and its effects on people. So I believe the flood really happened and I believe God had good reasons to do so. But I mean, I'm just curious what your general response is to that, because I hear it all the time. I have my own responses, but I don't think I've ever talked about it with you. So I'm curious what you would say about that. So you're asking me, why do I think it's okay that God flooded the world and killed all humanity? No, no, no. no. I mean, you, 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 you take it that route. But I'm general, uh, and you're like, what was your response? Have you heard that well, before? And then how would you respond to someone who says that? My response is to it in general is, so I believe that mankind became so wicked and evil to the point that we probably wouldn't even exist today had that same operation still been going. Like I believe that God saw that there was no ending no matter what happened, there was no ending that was going to be sufficient enough to get us to where Jesus Christ would eventually get us to, you know? Amen. I believe that too. And so in that, I feel that God 
destroyed a lot of the satanic demons and the satanic angels that were roaming across the world. He destroyed all these things of destruction and evil. I mean, out of everyone in this world, let's say, let's just play ballpark game. Let's say there's 100,000 people. I doubt it. But there's 100,000, maybe a million people at this time frame of Noah, right? Mm-hmm. And that's that's a lot for me to give. And out of this whole everything, Noah, one man, not two men, but Noah was the only one that was obedient and faithful and worthy enough for God to spare. I mean, God was mm-hmm. so fed up with the world, he was about to destroy all of it and say, the heck with man, I'll just let it all go. It wasn't worth my time. But he found one man that was worth his time and saw that there was good seed that cometh from him. And right. that's why you and I are able to speak about this because of that one man who is not just a fictional character. He's a person whom, who had his doubts, whom had to be reassured by God that he was doing the right thing, who had to have a good supporting cast, just as any minister has to have a supporting cast of a, a loving wife, loving children, because day in and day out, we find ourselves underneath persecution by the world. So I feel like that's what Noah felt from his peers because we don't know who he interacted with prior to building this boat or what they thought. Well, there's some hints. Um, I think in the, one of the epistles of Peter where he talks about the sort of resistance that Noah would get when he was preaching yeah. to you know, the wicked men of his day. And uh, I, it's cool that now, as you were talking, first of all, I agree with that. I think that... Um, it demonstrates God's mercy, right? And we yeah. see that time again with Abraham when he, is, he goes to Sodom with spoiler alert, right? <laughs> Where he says, yeah, you know, no, we're, we're, that's the that's the season finale there, guys. That's yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> anybody who's listening to the podcast probably knows all the major stories. But you know, one man standing on an intercession for the rest of the people of the city, right? You yeah. know, and then Jesus, of course, that same kind of language is used of Jesus when one man, you know, sacrifice or offers himself. Um, as a ransom for the rest of humanity. And so Noah is doing that in a sense. And I think Peter makes the comparison that Noah is a Jesus. He's like a foreshadowing of Jesus. One man yeah. standing on behalf of the rest of the world. So I agree on all that. That's cool stuff. Um, yeah, I'll leave it at that. I had something else, but I forgot what it was. I'm not going to. So I'll, I'll, I'm going to jump us up a little bit on the flight because I'm, I'm kind of more curious about this part, which blows my mind. Huh. All right. So trick. Trivia question, everybody on the podcast. You'll probably get the answer the same day, but how long do you believe that Noah stayed on, on the boat? And if he stayed on the boat for that long period that you're thinking, do you think it took that long for the water to dry up, or do you think it took that long for Noah to feel comfortable to get off the boat? So answer time. So it was seven <laughs> days. The floodwaters rise from the okay. <laughs> Day 40, last day of rain. Uh, so 40 days, that's the last well, day of the rain. Bible study. Day 150, I, I did, uh, after all okay. things outside, the ark died. Did the I thought you do a small one. Blood reduces. Our, the flood oh, resides. Okay. See, <laughs> right, good night. Day 224, uh-huh. top of the mountains dry. Day 264, Noah sends out a raven. Day 271, Noah releases a dove that returns because there is no dry land. Day 278, Noah releases the dove and it returns with olive leaf. Day 285, Noah releases the dove, but it does not return. Day 314, Noah removes the cover of the ark 
so he can see the dry land. And finally, day 370, God tells Noah to leave the ark with his family and animals. So 370 days, they are locked on this boat, and they wait for God to tell them the next move. You know what? That's amazing, and that's obedience, because many people, as soon as they see dry land, they're going to flee for it. They're like, oh, yeah, I'm getting on dry land. I'm getting on that dry land no matter what. But they aren't waiting for God to say, hey, it's safe now. Go on the dry land. Right. You know, so 370 days, the whole the whole process took from the beginning of the flood to the end of it. Now, what you were referencing earlier, it says on chapter 7, verse 20, the waters prevailed 15 cubits upward and the mountains were covered. 21. And all flesh died that moved on the earth birds and cattle and beasts and every creeping things that creep on the earth and every man all in whose nostrils was the breath of the spirit of life all that was on the dry land died so he he destroyed all living things which were on the face of the the ground both man and cattle creeping things birds of the air they were destroyed from the earth only noah and those who were with him in the ark remained alive and the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days. So it's so crazy. So crazy. Because God didn't just say, I'm going to get rid of man. He got rid of everything. He's like, I'm going to start this over. We're going to pretend like Adam and Eve didn't happen kind of deal. Even though their sin was already in man. So that's where we see he has the two animals of each. It's a remnant. Right, it is crazy. I, I think no, no, I was, I was. Are you, are you done with your train of thought? Was, yeah, yeah. Okay, so what I was going to say, bring it back. I think it's crazy. I'm going to tell you why I think it's crazy, and why prob. I mean, this is a theory. I got to express to the listeners that there is a large degree of speculation that is involved. Right, when you some details are not given to us in the Bible, and so this is a theory. Um, Uh, a series of texts coming in. That's the woes of doing a podcast on your phone. Anyway, so I, you know, we talked about Genesis six last time, right? Where he yeah. goes from high, came down, and took for themselves wives. And in my mind, I think that that whole event there was a an attempt by the the angels of God, the other spiritual beings in heaven, whatever, who are whatever you want to call them. I think that whole thing was an attempt to subvert God's creation. And so what ensued afterwards was a, I'm not sure if we talked about this last time. What, what happened here was the angels, the wicked angels were attempting to reenact God's creation because they were wanting to create for themselves. And so I don't think necessarily they were driven by lust or anything like that. I think they were driven by the desire to take God's creation and improve upon it. You know, and the results were the Nephilim, the giants of old, the great men of old, however you interpret that. Something happened after that where God's creation was deemed wicked. It was no longer good anymore. And the favor that God had given in the opening chapters of Genesis where he um, repeatedly said, you know, it is good. The animals are good. My son, you know, the humans are created and it is very good, right? Not only is man not, not very good anymore, man is wicked whatever the angels have wrought here is so bad that god must destroy it and i think that somehow yeah there are no details given again this is speculation but i think somehow that corruption that 
was passed into man and the Nephilim. I think that was somehow passed to perhaps the animals too. Because well, here's a question for you. Where do you think the idea of clean and unclean animals come from if the Mosaic law had not been established yet? So you know, the Levitical yeah. law that some animals are deemed clean and some are not clean, right? That happens in... I think God was preparing, God was preparing them for what was to come. Like you think about it, swine for a long time were deemed unclean animals. But the reason why, if you notice after Jesus cast the demons and they went to the swine, Jesus said, okay, well, it's not what you eat that defies you. It's what you say. You know, he tells that to Peter and, a, and a, you know, a reminder. Yeah, so, yeah, cool. Good point. But I, what I'm trying to say is, do you think, what do you think caused some animals to be clean before the law, before the ritual law was established? Before God told Moses, you know, sacrifice these animals or eat these animals and don't sacrifice or don't eat these animals over here because they are unclean. We have the concept in Noah's day, which is way before Moses. What do you think constitutes or makes a, an unclean animal? Because my theory it might have something to do with the creation being corrupted. And some of the creations of God, just like the human beings, were distorted or warped from their original state. I don't know. Because God, you know... Every creation, no, let me finish this one point. Sorry. Um, you know, when God is describing, you know, the, the placement of the reptiles and the four legged beasts and stuff, he says repeatedly that it is good. He never says, okay, there's some animals that are unclean that he's created. So, where, where, where yeah. do they come from? Where do the concept of unclean animals come from, in your opinion? I believe they, I believe you're right. I believe they do come from uh, the angels tampering with them, they come with the angels messing around. Well, not angels now. They're demonic angels. They come down and they mess up the whole thing. Because what happens, I believe, is that they wind up messing with animals. And um, you remember how I told you before that animals and aliens and angels, like certain animals can be possessed by demons or yeah, yeah, crazy. Yeah, we are talking about that last time. That's, that's my philosophy behind it is that, like, say pigs, for instance. Mm-hmm. Pigs... People say they're filthy animals because they wallow in the own manure, right. right? But yet, in the other sense, people say, oh, pigs have the best noses ever. They can smell things that a dog can't even smell. Like, So they have intelligence built in them somehow, but yet they, they still do disgusting things, things that are filthy. You understand? Right, yeah. It, and even though they lack sweat glands, an elephant lacks sweat glands just as a hippo does, but it doesn't wallow in its own feces. Right. So that'd be like a person rubbing their own dung all over themselves. They are no longer clean because Tampering. of their acts. Or that was something that God... I believe they were okay. tampered with. I believe pigs were tampered with. Some way, somehow, I don't... I mean, I'm not a scientist, so, or nor am I going to dig too deep because I think we're about to go down a wormhole. But I believe that something was done to them to change the way they think about why why would they decide, oh well, I'm a wall and crap. You know? Something something played out in that, that scenario there. That's all I'm gonna say about that part though. I'm sorry. I just you know Yeah, I lost you for a few seconds and I had a weak connection. But um yeah, I lost I lost your explanation. So anyways, okay. I'll jump to the next part. I'll move on. Uh, so here's the scientific study 
that South America, uh, South American plant fossils confirm flood boundaries. So if you go to www.icr.org forward slash article forward slash south dash American dash plant dash fossil dash confirm dash flood dash boundary slash, you'll be able to find this article. And it talks about South American plant fossils confirm boundaries. It talks about how on the top of this mountain in the desert, how pretty much they found proof of the flood from there being water as well as there being actual like sediment from the flood time frame in this area. Sediment from another uh, area that's nowhere near this Peru, you know. So it just shows you how another verification about how the, you know, all the, the entire continents were all connected for one. And for two, how the flood impacted a lot of vegetation as well as, uh, you know, it, it pretty much dispersed a lot of, uh, I guess you'd say right. bacteria and stuff that w- would not normally be native mm-hmm. to these areas. So no, that's, that's cool. Scientific but, nerdy. No, 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 real fast. Uh, I think it's interesting. Guys. I'm real fast. 30 seconds tops. Um, some other things to look into. I don't have any direct links in front of me, but you can Google dinosaur found with skin intact or something like that. And you'll find an article relatively easy um, of a dinosaur ankylosaurus. I think they found pretty recently. Um, you buried under some rock somewhere with skin cells and the science article completely religious neutral, by the way, in other words, it's not Christians who are writing the article um, talks about how the dinosaur likely died from some sort of flood. So I thought it was interesting. And then also one more thing. Yeah. I don't have any references again, but another thing that lends credence to the Noachian deluge tale of Noah's flood day is that there are over 20,000. I haven't verified each one, but I know there are at least a handful of flood myths that are very similar to Noah's flood story. So it's not just us making us, you know, us as, yeah, you know, Jewish Christians. Not, and we're not Jewish Christians, but as Jewish Jews or Christians making the story up, there are other cultures that have similar stories um, since the beginning of man. You know, so this flood story is seems to be a, an ancient memory of sorts for a lot of people. That tells me that there's something to it. Anyways, mm-hmm. those up to independently. All right. So, and I'll give you one last one, and then we'll like. Uh move forward with the yeah. script <laughs> hey right, man that's a big so topic here's another one <laughs> topic <laughs> there's a website it's uh answering genesis so it's answer answers in genesis dot org slash noah dash arc slash gopher dash wood dash mystery dash arcs dash timber forward slash and what it's about it's about the gopher wood the mystery of the arc timber it goes into how People are like, oh, well, why is there no gopher wood today? Why can I not see the ark? You know, if people, there's been a replica built, and it's in Kentucky, actually, but they didn't build out gopher wood because gopher wood was a Hebrew term that was used. I actually, this is my personal opinion, quote, unquote, Mark's personal opinion, cedar wood, or not even cypress, my apologies, cypress. I believe is what they use. Look down in Louisiana, the bayou. Cypress is a well-known wood that floats, can hold water, is sink resistant, can do wonders in the water. My thought is that it's a relative, cousin, if not direct link to the cypress tree. So I'm just saying, you want to build a boat, <laughs> might want to get some cypress. Too bad we don't have a cypress wood sponsor, so right? <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> this is where the sponsor's coming, right? Uh, so, uh, on Gen 8, chapter uh, 20, Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. Then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake, although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. So, Gen 8, verse 22, I believe, is the time frame that we actually see not only a covenant made with Noah representing the rainbow, but also a covenant made with Noah to represent the seasons that man will now face, the things that man will now endure. So then, you know, this is right when he gets off the boat, he's doing this, you know, trying to make sure that he's letting God know, hey, you're first in my life. So I don't care about anything else, but you're going to be first. So if you go to chapter 9, uh, Genesis, God's promise to Noah. So God blesses, blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. And fill the earth and the fear of you and the dread of you shall be on every beast of the earth and every bird of the air on all that move on the earth and on all. Just the want to reiterate real fast that they are well, I was talking about earlier. You just said it. Those commandments that God is giving Noah right there, those are the same commandments he gave Adam. You know, yeah. you have dominion over all the earth and replenish and multiply. I just want to reiterate that this is another creation, mini creation, like not a creation, but a. Well, and that's what I was stating earlier is that's why I believe he kept Noah because it's like he restarted in a sense, even though there was right. sin already into man, he restarted the Garden of Eden again so it's like you restarted creation everything's already created but he already just he just retook the pieces and i'm glad you said that because I, I think the whole bible is a story yeah. about eden uh, we lose that terminology we start talking about the promised yeah. land and then jerusalem right but i think all of that symbolizes eden and i think yeah I, i'm glad you mentioned that's cool it's interesting because then he goes into uh gen 9 4 but you shall not eat flesh with its life that is, it's blood. So he's talking about not eating animals that are not cooked, pretty much. Like he's telling, hey, you better cook it. And I believe also, my thought is that he's telling them, don't be cannibals, you know, because those things, I mean, that's not right. You know, you kill people, you eat them. You know, I believe he'll get deeper into that, honestly, when he, when he goes into, um, talks to Moses and sets the Mosaic laws. So, anyways, we'll we'll speed forward to uh, some more chapter nine real quick, and then uh, we'll uh, we'll then be ready to start our next destination. But so Noah's sons, this part gets me. They've all been on this journey with Noah. They've all seen everything that's taken place. They know that what's going on with Noah. You know, they're now on this land that God's un unflooded. And so here we are on uh, 920. And Noah began to be a farmer. And, the pl and then he planted a vineyard. Then he drank of the wine and was drunk and became un 
covered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned away, and they did not see their father's nakedness. So Noah woke from his wine and knew that his younger son had done to uh, had done to him then said cursed be canaan a servant of servants he shall be to his brethren and he said blessed to blessed be the lord the god of shem and may canaan be his servant may god enlarge japheth Japheth, japheth my apologies and may he dwell in the tents of shem and may canaan be his servant and it's interesting because after Noah's time frame, it says he lived after the flood 350 years, so it makes him about 950. So all these days of Noah were 950 years and died. So that's why I'm going to end this, this on the Bible study. Before I close out with you, my brother, I'm going to ask you, do you think that the fact that Ham now has seen his daddy naked, he's now caused the second sin, all right? He's now caused... He didn't murder, but he caused the second sin, which we eventually find out from later on in the Ten Commandments. What are your What are your thoughts? Like, you know, why would you think that he would probably gossip or laugh at his father, or you know, do whatever he did to cause such a a hard? Okay, well, hear me out. Like, reality. as you were reading that, and this has actually occurred to me for the first time ever. So, but I think I got it, um, and I went. So this is what we're all about, listeners. Like, we, we don't know this stuff. This stuff, the more you fellowship over this stuff, the more truth I think is revealed. And I think, hear me out. What do you think? I think when you read that story you just read about Noah and his sons landing on the new world, right? The new Eden. They're in Eden again. Yeah. And Noah is a farmer, right? You, just, you said his goal is to be a farmer. God has just reiterated the commandments to multiply so forth, you know, to have dominion over the earth. The, the dread of you will be over all the creatures, right? So he is the new Adam in a sense, right? And yeah. what has just happened is that when you said that he saw his father's nakedness, it reminded me of the same language where Adam and Eve eat from the tree of the knowledge of, you know, good and evil. And they immediately, the first thing they do is they realize they're naked. Yeah. If, you see what I'm saying? The same language and the brothers uh, don't see the nakedness. Whether or not the, he's actually naked is a different story. We can get into that. But I think the idea here is that what it's showing is that Ham, he somehow carries that spirit of um, of evil, right? He has bitten evil. the fruit. He has the knowledge of the good and evil that God intended to wipe out for some whatever reason because he sees the nakedness that the other brothers don't see. Whether or not they physically see it or not, they don't have yeah. that mindset that tells them to whatever – you asked me a minute ago if he's mocking his father, if he's you know making making fun, or I. Th- what do you think? I think that makes more sense of the story than. Well, it's funny, funny you just said that because my mind kind of blew because I thought you were going to say the same thing I thought. Here's Noah and his wife; mm-hmm. they have three sons. Adam right. had three sons. Cain was a wicked son. Cain, Abel, and Seth were the good sons, but. Seth was the only one that carried the righteous bloodline, which is interesting because what I'm about to tell you is going to add to that. So 
I think that him seeing his father naked, his him seeing his father naked probably sets the tone for disobedience. You know what I mean? Because they already know that nakedness is uh, hypothetical. I guess uh, means vulnerability. Possibly means you know that they're 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 susceptible to injury or harm in that sense. So it's like to me, I just feel like. I don't know. I guess I'm going to give, uh, give like a piece out myself. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I, but um, I do want to touch back on this one real fast after you're done. Just go ahead with the study Bible point. Well, what I was going to say is, um, so it talks about the Bible's candid portrayal of the heroes of the faith gives a complete picture of God's redemptive plan and his ability to use flawed humans. Noah plunges from exemplary faithfulness to a drunken disgraceful stupor is a reminder that no one ever stops needing grace even in old age every christian is prone to sin there is no riding on the coattails of the past obedience and it says the descendants of ham's cursed son canaan eventually become israel's primary enemy and the canaanites from the sons of Ham, additional enemies, nations would be born in succeeding generations, including Babylon. I thought that was kind of interesting, you know, because, you know, there's only one of the two between Shem and Japheth that the bloodline right, right. of Israel comes from. Yeah. You know, it can't come from both. That is interesting. So you could, you're placing the, one of those is Seth, right? It's, an, it's another Seth, just like Noah is the new Adam. Um, who who is it? Is it Japheth yeah. that is is the descendant of Abraham, or is it? Uh, it's a Shem. Is it Shem or Japheth? I can't remember. Said, well, it doesn't. I'd have to. Okay, I so whichever uh, one it is, is you're saying is the new Seth, right? He's the one upon the one who's going to yeah. cause the people to remember the name of God and call upon the name of God because that's what, that was the attribute of Seth, you know. And it says once again the people began to call upon the name of the Lord. That's exactly what Abraham does, right? So it's, it's cool. Yeah, I, I agree with everything from yeah. that, except the, for the fact that I don't think... Um, now, this is a moot point. It doesn't really matter either way. But I don't think that the, 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 the description of Noah, you know, falling into a drunk, drunk stupor, as they call it, I don't think it's trying to highlight the sin at all. Uh, I, I mean, I, I can see where they're going with that, but yeah. I don't think that's... There's no re- reason there um, to think that's what's going on for me, from my perspective. In fact, I, uh, well, I think the reason why they're telling you that is the fact that, you know, you look at a lot of the biblical people, even you or myself, we have our moments of vulnerability where we're not going to be perfect, but we're, we're told right. to be like Christ. And it's pointing out that Noah, even though he did these heroic things, and he did these amazing things that he himself yeah, I, still I, flawed. I, yeah, you know what I mean. I he get winds the point. Up making a vineyard, and he winds up becoming drunk and all that jazz. I think that was their point. Their point wasn't. No, no. I, yeah, I get. I totally get that. And but I understand. Like what I'm saying is, I don't believe that what Noah did by getting drunk in that instance was a sin. So whoever, if you believe Moses wrote Genesis account, I don't think he is. I don't think he's trying to paint Noah in the same light that the, the study think... Bible um, commentaries are. I just, I think what is yeah. actually what I think, I think that it's trying to make the contrast because he's drunk, right? And it's making the contrast between him being drunk, which later is condemned as a sin, 
um, in the scripture. And the seemingly innocent sin of him by, you know, seeing his father naked or something. I think the fact that, you know, it reminds me of the story of Jesus heals the blind man and the, the Pharisees are so backwards that they believe that Jesus has done something bad. And Jesus says that they're the ones who are actually blind. I think in this instance, like because of him's perverted way of seeing the world, you know, his, his carrying the temptation of the serpent, if you will, I think it's making a contrast between that, yeah. which seems harmless, which is actually a sin. And it speaks to his like decay and moral spiritual decay. And I don't know, I, I'm going around myself, but what I'm trying to say is I don't yeah. agree that Noah has done anything wrong here by getting drunk. I think, I don't think it's Noah either myself. I think that everybody tries to play it off as his drunkenness and him being out of it. I think the only thing that Noah felt there, honestly, was the fact that he got, he allowed himself to be vulnerable, first and foremost. That's my point about Noah. I don't think him, you know, I think that that's the only fault that he had was him being vulnerable. Uh, because it's interesting because you look at New Testament, Paul tells the disciples, says, hey, if you want to be a pastor or a minister or whatever, don't get drunk. And he's talking about don't drink of liquor, don't drink of wine, don't do it. And then he talks about, you know, it goes so on and so on for their, yeah. you know, the people underneath them. So I think that what he's emphasizing is a discipline. And though, you know, you look at Noah, he's, he has a form of PTSD where he's upset. He's, he's stressed out. He's done seeing all this death around. There are probably mm-hmm. people hanging off the boat dying. You know, trying right. to get on that thing, and he couldn't let him on. That's why he was shut inside the ark. If you really think about it, nobody saw anything. They were shut inside the ark. There was only one way in and one way out, and that was covered up until 40 days and 40 nights after the flood was done raining. And when that was taken off, then he could really see everything. But he could hear the beating and gnashing against the walls, I'm sure. Yeah, And the people sure. screaming for help, but he couldn't do nothing. So... But, you know, no, it's all good stuff. I think horse. this is important to have this kind of conversation. I, I mean, I don't think it's a dead horse at all. But, yeah, I, I think I agree with you. Well, no, I was going to say, I was going to say, you know, I think this is what uh, entails afterwards where it's going to mm-hmm. lead us to the Tower of Babel. Because uh, Tower of Babel is a big, it's a big, you know, story, I feel. It, it really set, sets the tone for where we're actually at today in America. Oh, yeah, there's much to say about Babel. Mm-hmm. So I think I look... I, I look forward to uh, actually touching on that subject on our next podcast, but I'm going to close out on this one, my brother, and uh, do a quick closing prayer, and then uh, uh, we'll uh, continue on our way. But um, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this podcast. We thank you for allowing Chris to come back again and for me to be able to work with him in your ministry, uh, Hid Manna. Lord, we thank you for everything that you've done for us and everything you to do for us. We ask you, Lord, to help the audience receive this message, for touch the heart. And for anybody that feels convicted right now to give their life to Jesus, to please right now just give your life to Jesus. Accept him as your Lord and Savior and know that he is the way, the truth, the light, and that through him you shall find redemption. And we just want to say thank you, 